tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. This is part two of our strange dive into a terrine of turtle soup history. What's a terrine? A terrine is like a thing where you hold soup, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Is it like a, like a gravy boat? Yeah, I guess it's like a super gravy boat. So like in Secret of the Ooze, you know, when the animals get accelerated by the mutagen, maybe a terrine is like a gravy boat with like a mutagen powered gravy boat. If you look up terrine, they're fancy. Oh, my God. Ben, you're right. It's like a leveled up gravy boat uh, or like a casserole or something. Also, seemingly a requirement is for it to be ornately decorated with flowers and leaves and, <laughs> and uh, decorative handles. Uh, well, anyway, we digress. Here's the episode. Recipes for the fake or mock turtle soup appear right around the time that real turtle soup recipes appear. So interesting. Because, yeah, you're right. I mean, like you said, uh, it was mock turtle soup that was served at Abraham Lincoln's first inauguration because the times were a little tighter and, uh, you know, turtles were, were not as easy to come by. I don't know. That doesn't make sense in terms of, like, the scarcity of the actual turtles, but they were expensive and it was just much more austere times. Um, but, okay, uh, yeah, mock turtle soup had already become already a British classic. Uh, Heinz, like we said at the, the, earlier in the show, when, when something really starts to break through uh, in the zeitgeist in terms of culinary stuff, it ends up in mass-produced 
cookbooks, and Heinz was one of the big ones. Um, it was in their cookbook, and then they eventually even canned it and, and made a version that was like mass marketed. And even if it was something that, you know, more people could have access to, it didn't mean that it was something that your average home chef could just whip up uh, because the, some, part, some of the stuff is like literal butchery, you know, where you really have to know what you're doing. Uh, some of the process involved dressing a calf's head, uh, which started with opening the skull, no, no, no small task, uh, and extracting the brains and then the face meat and the tongue. And then the meat has to be boiled uh, before letting it stand overnight. So this is really uh, quite disgusting uh, to do. But it was hugely popular. This whole idea of boiling a calf's head seemed, for some reason, to be really appealing. Uh, it was considered high-end, even though it was essentially trash meat, kind of like the way Edward, Edward Bernays made bacon popular amongst the plebs. Interesting point, yes. Also, shout-out to Fergus Henderson, the luminary behind one of my uh, favorite restaurants, uh, St. John in London. Fergus, if you're hearing this, you'll love the following part. Mock turtle soup took the world by storm, and really, when we talk about mock turtle soup... We're talking about calf's head soup. We're talking about a name change, right? We're talking about branding. Because when people started making mock turtle soup, what they're doing is they're reproducing that rendering of fat, the green fat of the turtle's body versus the uh, fat of the head of this calf. There's a long tradition of sheep or calf head soup we have to remember, even though it might be cheaper than a gigantic turtle, a calf's head is still kind of high-end. You know what I mean? You're buying the whole head. When's the last time you walked into a supermarket and said, I'll buy the whole head? Yeah, no, that's not something I would ever uh, hope to find myself doing. But I see the, I see the logic. Even though it is typically the part that gets thrown away, it does feel like a big to do, you know, when you're getting the entire head, brains and all. Um, it, you know, it's all in how you sell it. It's all in how you spin it. And when it starts ending up on menus uh, at places like the Waldorf Astoria or the Plaza Hotel, the St. Regis Hotel, uh, even in the White House's 1887 official cookbook. And that's when you start to see the uh, more like kind of fancy um, spice blend and, and seasoning with sherry, cayenne pepper, lemon, sugar, salt, and mace. Um, and that is kind of what I believe is considered the classic recipe for both turtle and mock turtle soup in terms of like the base seasonings. And it's so interesting because, you know, what essentially is just a totally different soup unto itself was created, you know, not to trick people, right? Like not to, it wasn't trying to mislead people. It was called mock turtle soup, but it was just like such a, it had such a place in people's hearts and minds, this turtle soup that it just really sort of took hold in and of itself. Um, and maybe where when, even when turtle soup fell out of fashion, mock turtle soup mm -hmm. became more popular than the original turtle soup to the point where Lewis Carroll, you'll probably remember in his 1865 Alice in Wonderland, I love had a character called the mock turtle. Um, and <laughs> uh, Alice says in, in the story, I don't even know what a mock turtle is. And there, therein kind of lies the joke because uh, aside from the boiled calf's head, I think that's sort of the point is you don't really know what's in mock turtle soup. 
What is a mock turtle? It's the thing mock turtle soup is made from. Uh, Lewis Carroll, also, by the way, very creepy dude. Uh, very, very creepy guy. I'm sure that uh, many of our listeners today are aware of this. Yeah, you're right, though. Mock turtle soup became its own sort of acknowledged thing that had very little to do with actual turtles. I know you guys have not eaten turtle or mock turtle maybe yourself, uh, but I have. I have eaten both. Uh, Actually, I guess technically, I've eaten multiple things that would qualify as mock turtle soup. But I've eaten actual turtles as well. Uh, I would still do it if it were not for their endangered status. Well, Ben, does it taste, is it as advertised in the lore? Does it taste like a combination of shrimp, pork, veal, beef, and chicken all rolled into one? I think it depends on how you cook it, man. Uh, Fair. Also, why soup? Why soup and why not, say, a fricassee, a filet, etc.? It's because this was a way to culturally frame the consumption of awful, O-F-F-A-L, all that stuff that you usually don't see on a restaurant menu, right? Yeah, and that's because in the 40s, you know, uh, it was it was it sort of mattered. It was almost like a uh, a national campaign to try to convince regular folks, you know, civilians to eat all those leftover bits because the, you know, the tastier bits, the chops and the steaks and all the cuts people are used to seeing were being shipped overseas uh, to feed soldiers during the war. Um, and they were left with a surplus, you know, we as a country were left with a surplus of hearts and kidneys and brains that were, uh, you know, they are ultimately sources of protein. So it seems a shame to waste them. So you're left with a situation on how do I package this up so that people can stomach it, literally. Right. How do we make it seem fancy to eat these things that are ordinarily treated as throwaway cuts. How do we persuade people to enjoy this, right? How do we make it acceptable and bonus points or stretch goal, they would call it. How do we make it aspirational? With marketing. There it is. The shadow of Bernays. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Large. And so instead of calling it awful or trash meat or Ooh. gutty parts, they coined the term. It was actually Margaret Mead, this cultural mm-hmm. anthropologist who was working with the Department of Defense uh, with some food scientists and some home ec- experts. And they created this marketing campaign around this awful, the gutty bits. Uh, and they coined the term, and I think this is pure genius variety meats i think it's pretty good i i think it's i think it's 7.3 out of 10 it's like the same reasoning with halloween candy with the little candies they call fun size mm. i speak for every childhood trick-or-treater when i say how, how can something be fun when there's less of it Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. 
So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Uh, so anyway, yes, Variety Meats, they're doing their best. Uh, and this is a product of austerity during World War II. But after World War II ends, the U.S. encounters this huge economic boom. It's one of the few countries that didn't have its infrastructure bombed into ruins. So people in the U.S., just go back to steaks and burgers and they keep skipping, you know, the sweetbreads, the pancreas, the trotters, the food, the offals, the, you know, the, the Rocky Mountain oysters were probably still a thing because people will always be weird. But, <laughs> but one, there was one exception to this rule it was the calf's head in mock turtle soup. The real name for this soup should have been Cow head soup, calf's head soup, but that also didn't last forever. Mock turtle soup was popular till about the late 1950s. By the 1960s, it was considered increasingly anachronistic. It was fancy anachronistic, like a double-breasted uh, suit coat or uh, a monocle. Yeah, or like aspic or, you know, cooking, making savory gelatins, for example. Um, there's a restaurant in Atlanta that's actually, I think, in danger of closing. It's called The Colonnade. It's yeah. like an old meat and three type, uh, you know, super old school restaurant. And they have aspic on the menu still because it's just a holdover. Some people just don't change with the times and that can actually be charming in small doses. But, you know, uh, 
society can't sustain just a ton of those. There's like the few little holdouts. And in this case, the holdouts were uh, luxury passenger liners like the SS United States and the Carriage House in Fort Worth, uh, which was a fancy French restaurant. Um, Because this is the kind of thing like the aspect that I could see the French, you know, kind of hanging on to for a little longer. Um, But uh, there are reasons that we can pretty easily pinpoint as to why people aren't into eating gutty parts so much anymore. It's because we don't have to, and they're kind of gross, and they seem like the parts you should leave. I like a tongue taco, I'm not going to lie. I've talked about my history with eating liver pudding and brains and eggs. Not something I would go for on purpose these days, but I also like liver. I do like fried liver and onions. Uh, uh, So that's probably the most acceptable of what would be considered the awful. Uh, But all the rest of that stuff, still available, from your local butcher, um, mm-hmm. but usually more by request, right? It's not like there's a whole heaping uh, case full of awful parts, right? Well, it depends on where you go. Also true. In different countries, it's a different story, too. Sure, yes. And the grocery stores I go to uh, have awful of plenty. but you're right. I talked about this on Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, the soft cultural taboos of what is or is not acceptable to eat and these are relatively arbitrary things why do i not see turtle soup on my menu ben you might be asking yourself you son of a fish uh why did you all spend uh two episodes talking about this turtle soup and i cannot order any of it well the explanation uh lies in a couple of factors First, courtesy of our friend Gabe Luzier, one of the answers may be indoor plumbing. Indoor plumbing decreased the average homestead interaction with the turtle because you're not going to creeks. You're not going into swamps. You're not going into the wild to uh, grab your water, which means you may not be seeing a turtle. And then also... Going back to what I said earlier about the soft cultural taboos of what is or is not to be eaten, turtles started to enter the realm of dogs and cats in that they were they were becoming somewhat anthropomorphized. You know what I mean? Well, sure. The aforementioned uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You got your Yertle the turtle. You got, uh, what, what other turtles you got? There's that turtle in the... Tussie Roll Pop commercial that everyone likes so well. Yeah, it's it, I, I you know I've brought this up before, maybe not on this show, but I think on stuff that I want you to know where it's like the cultural taboos around eating certain animals. I always feel like there's not a clear line in the sand with that because I know plenty of people that have pet rabbits and rabbits are uniformly cuddly and 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 sweet, even though they can be a little bitey and and feral. But you know, people still eat rabbit stew mainly at higher end restaurants but that's still definitely on the menu rabbits that are bred for slaughter uh turtles on the other hand you know people can still keep a turtle as a pet you can still find a traditional type of box turtle like you might have when you were a kid but now that's crossed the line um after being so insanely popular i'm just i mean i'm fascinated by that uh one thing that i thought was interesting too is it's hard to tell the difference between a more common turtle and some of its more uh endangered brethren so that's an important uh, thing to consider as well there's another thing that's interesting here 
So post-World War II, that's when we really see the decline of turtle soup as both an aspirational thing and an actual thing on menus. We have to mention that the decline was sort of signaled or telegraphed in advance by the end of World War I, way before, way before World War II, prohibition comes in. As every gourmand knows, one cannot have proper turtle soup without sherry. And if you can't have sherry, then you can't have turtle soup. So it suffered under prohibition. And we know from previous episodes, people weren't really following the laws of prohibition. Uh, but when there was no fortified wine that was easily available, obviously people weren't making the turtle soup the way they liked to make the turtle soup. And then, post-World War II, the decline is accelerated because you got convenience foods. It's the nuclear America. We've got frozen TV dinners. We've got better canned soup. We've got mixes. You don't have to spend hours and hours every day cooking over a smelly pot. You no longer have to find a huge turtle, uh, a Casey verified size of a large dog turtle and hang it from its back fence. You know, it never occurred to me that prohibition would have really done a number on flavoring and sauces because there would be no cooking wines, no liquors for making sauces, which is really important. I mean, a little white wine uh, in like a shrimp scampi or something like that. I mean, that you really need it. And the, the irony is the alcohol burns off. I guess, uh, you know, Johnny Law just couldn't trust Americans to just cook with their sherry and not take a little sip. They had to take an all or nothing approach. Thank God we got through that. Um, but yeah, this was, in fact, a nail in the coffin for turtle soup. No sherry, you don't have the soup that you're used to. Um, but you're right, Ben. You know, lumped in with that, as we heard from the Heinz Company, there were canned versions of mock turtle soup. It did kind of get its its moment, brief as it was, uh, as, as a convenient food, but it just didn't stick. Campbell's uh, did not continue to make their version of mock turtle soup. Uh, it was described as having a tempting, distinctive taste, so prized by the epicure uh, at the time, um, and that was uh, before 1960, but it didn't have the sticking power that, like, you know, your cream of mushroom and chicken noodle would have had, uh, though it did have its, uh, its, its devotees, uh, one of which was Andy Warhol, a Campbell soup can enthusiast, and apparently... Uh, big fan of, of mock turtle soup. He even said he likes to shop for discontinued flavors. If you ever run across mock turtle, save it for me. It used to be my favorite, but I must have been the only one because they discontinued it. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. 
on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ridiculous historians. You're saying right now, obviously, this sounds amazing. Where is my turtle suit? Where is my mock turtle calves head soup? Well, we have an answer for you, and that answer is Cincinnati. The love of mock turtle soup continues in the modern day. I'm sorry to sound a little Rod Serling about that, but uh, it's true. This is a solved mystery. There is a Twilight Zone turtle soup part of the U.S., uh, German immigrants traveled to Cincinnati in the 1800s. And according to Sherry Brinkman, who wrote a fantastic book, Cincinnati in Soup, or a fantastic series of cookbooks, I should say, uh, the mock turtle movement continues in Cincinnati. She says, today, Cincinnati chefs make the dish with ground beef rather than awful, but it's just as popular as ever. It's still made by many local restaurants and at church festivals. You can also order canned mock turtle soup 
uh, from a company called Worthmore. Uh, I, I, the thing is, let me be honest with you guys. The thing is, the canned version includes the hard-boiled eggs. I'm just so skeptical. Canned hard-boiled eggs, like oh god, I want to believe. You know, I feel very David Duchovny about this. Very Fox Mulder. I want to believe, but mm, I'm skeptical. Yeah, I'm fine with not believing in that one. Canned hard-boiled eggs, like like the idea of pickled eggs, just makes me want to puke. I, I don't don't care for it. I like hard boiling my own egg. I also don't like store bought hard boiled eggs. Something about that. I just need it to be, you know, a me thing. Uh, <laughs> I will say though, as far as an, a hard boiled egg in a soup or a soft boiled egg in a soup, like, you know, those ramen eggs are really tasty and they're sort of like uh, marinated in soy and mirin and they have a really nice kind of umami to them in and of themselves, but they're a nice little added seasoning for a, for a bowl of ramen. Yeah, I got it. I, I, I prefer if I'm if I'm boiling an egg, I prefer to be the boiler, you know. Same, uh, yeah. I, I I like that vertical integration, uh, without me laying the egg. That's the threshold. Fair, fair, <laughs> but uh, fair. but well, Casey, what do you think? What do you think? You uh, would you buy hard boiled eggs in a can? No, I can't say I would, Ben. <laughs> Casey on the case. How about mock turtle soup, Casey? Would you try that or or regular turtle soup? I would I would do the mock turtle soup. I don't think I could bring myself to do the regular turtle soup. You're okay with boiled calf's head, but not turtle meat. You know, uh, people are strange. <laughs> when you're a stranger. Yeah. Uh, so here's the thing. Real turtle soup is increasingly difficult to get these days because, as we mentioned earlier, these animals are endangered or they may be rare. So the idea of processing them for soup takes an understandable backseat. You can find a, a couple corners of the internet, you can find uh, people selling canned turtle, actual turtle soup, not mock turtle, but it's going to be pretty old at this point. There, there aren't fresh canned varieties, meaning that if you are eating at a fancy restaurant and you're eating actual turtle soup, it is uh, it is probably fresh made. One would hope. Otherwise, don't tip. I'm kidding. Always tip. Always tip minimum 20%. Be a good person. Indeed. And I think this concludes our uh, foray into the, the weird and wonderful, questionably, world of, uh, of turtles as uh, cooking ingredients. Uh, I've enjoyed it. It's not been the most appetizing conversation uh, we've had uh, in recent memory, but um, I think I'm going to go and make some non-turtle soup after we get done here uh, for, for lunch, just to kind of cleanse my palate, <laughs> which has sort of a greasy patina on it now. Um, but huge thanks to, to you, Ben, for, for, having the, for joining me on this journey and being here. You know, But huge thanks to you, Ben, for, uh, for joining me on this journey. Thanks to you as well, Noel. Huge thanks to super producer Casey Pegrip, Alex Williams, who composed this amazing soundtrack, and of course, Christopher Hasiotis. Thanks to researcher extraordinaire Gabe Luzier, Jonathan Strickland the Quister, and don't forget, if you would like to find uh, us or our show, we are available on social media channels. Of note, the Twitter, the Pinterest, no, not the Pinterest, never the Pinterest, um, bringing that one back, uh, and the Instagram, you can find us as a show or as individuals. I am on Instagram at Brown. You can find me on Twitter at HSW, and you can find me on Instagram 
at Ben Bolin or at number one leaf blower fan on uh, Pinterest and MySpace. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net.